My name's Nick, I'm the Associate Minister here at Knox, and we're so glad to have you with us. If you don't know, we've just started to explore together this summer some of our favorite psalms, and a challenge we've invited you into as a church is to memorize a psalm. Some psalm, if you already know Psalm 23, 50% of you probably do, pick another psalm. <laughs> Participate in this with us. The Psalms have been the songbook of the people of God for many generations, and within their words are captured some deep truths and resonant truths about our spiritual lives. So how can we pick a favorite? If I were to ask you what your favorite song is, something might pop to mind immediately, but if you're anything like me, that answer is probably conditional with a few asterisks beside it. My favorite song when I'm happy is different than my favorite song when I just want to sit with my feelings for a while. My favorite song on a long drive is different than my favorite song on a cold winter evening. I've got my summer bop that I'll be listening to like hundreds of times this summer. And I've got songs that I won't listen to nearly as frequently, but will stay with me for years to come long after I forget who Maisie Peters even is. And so it is with the Psalms. The Psalm which immediately came to mind for me that we heard read for us this morning may not be the answer which bubbles to the surface each time I'm asked and in every season of life. But this is a Psalm which I find myself coming back to again and again, whose words I catch myself quoting often in prayer and by whose words God has spoken into my life in profound ways. This psalm has also spoken regularly into the life of God's people. It is a psalm of the sons of Korah, written by a community and written for a community. It is in that community of God's people that this psalm regularly finds its reading during Jewish Sabbath prayers, and whose words form the hymn of the reformation of God's church in Martin Luther's A Mighty Fortress is Our God, which we will sing together later. Psalm 46 begins plainly. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Reassuring words, certainly, but also challenging words. God is our refuge. God, not money, which inflation eats away. Not wisdom, which is foolishness in light of God's great wisdom. Not our strength or power, which is meager at best. All these things fail us. When trouble comes, their weakness is plain, and the things of strength in this world flee from us in trouble. But God is present help to us in trouble. There will be trouble. God does not promise us that we will avoid trouble. Rather, God assures us that there will be trouble. Jesus tells his disciples and tells us, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Yes, we will have trouble, but God will be with us through it. God will be our very present help in time of trouble, and we have seen that to be true not only in the witness of the community of God's people that continue to say and sing these still same words after millennia of trouble of all sorts, but also we see it in the person of Jesus Christ, the Son of God made flesh, 
who comes to us to be God with us in our trouble, present to us even now by the Holy Spirit, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. We will not fear because God, our maker, is with us. We will not fear because Christ, our Lord, has overcome the world. We will not fear even though the earth gives way, even though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, even though its waters roar and foam, and though the mountains tremble with its tumult. It's important for us to remember or to know if we didn't know already that as we hear this vivid imagery, water was a sign of chaos in the ancient world. In the beginning at creation, the scriptures say the earth was formless and void and the spirit of God hovered over the face of the deep. The narrative of Genesis is that there were waters, but they were untamed. It takes God to separate the waters above the earth from the waters below the earth. It takes God to hold back the sea and allow dry land to form. Water was an image of untamed, raw, surging power. The sea was thought to be the abode of demons, and the waters knew no master. But this is the God who could tame the waters of the earth who has set the boundaries for the seas, who speaks to the wind and the waves and they obey him. The chaos of this world, the chaos of our lives, is no cause for fear because God has dealt with it and far worse before. So we will not fear even though everything we know to be true and permanent and unchanging suddenly changes because God has not changed and is still with us. We will not fear, though climate change threatens us day by day, though nations take up arms against nation, though our rulers seem to have little regard for our welfare and the rich hoard up riches to their harm and to ours. We will not fear the tumult of job loss, of rejection, of a difficult diagnosis or an uncertain future. Because there is a river. Because there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. I hope you felt that. The second stanza of this psalm comes like a refreshing breeze after the first. There's this tremendous crescendo that the first verse sort of lands on. Though its waters roar and foam, the mountains tremble with its tumult and a breath and a promise. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. The waters roar and foam. The world is chaos and trouble. And God takes that disordered water. God takes that threatening sea, takes the roar and the foam and makes from those waters a river water which is not a cause for fear at all, but whose streams bring joy and life wherever they go. The world has not changed. The verbs in this second stanza mirror those in the first. There is movement, but because God is within the city, she will not be moved. 
The nations roar outside of it. Kingdoms tremble. The world is still waiting for the day when the kingdom of God will be known in every place and in every way. But for now, the people who God is among are assured that they, at least in part, already know the beginning of that promise. When this psalm was written, the first people to hear it would have been thinking of the earthly Jerusalem the place of the temple where God was known to dwell. But we today reading this should be assured in that same way of God's new dwelling place within the church. Within the church, which is the community of God's people, God has made God's dwelling in the hearts of each person who follows Jesus. God is within the church and she will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Yes, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This refrain in the psalm, for those of us who know the Bible, it may not even phase us. This is just another name for God and a very common one at that. But it is a poignant choice to remind us that this God was good enough for Jacob, who knew many troubles. And so we can be assured that this God is also good enough for us. Jacob, who received his brother's blessing at God's behest, but who had to flee his brother's violent hand. Jacob, who is given a woman he does not love to marry and works for seven more long years to receive Rachel as his bride. Jacob, who wrestled with God and only after an injured hip is given a new name and a new future and a reconciled hope. Jacob, who knew trouble, but whose God was with him. Yes, the God of Jacob is our fortress too. So our trouble has been acknowledged and God's faithfulness we have been assured of. And so now we receive the first instruction of this psalm. Come and see. Come and see what God has done. The desolations God has brought on the earth. That sounds fearful. Desolations where we hoped for consolations. Misery where we were longing for hope. But we may be surprised. These desolations sound incredible joyous. Who will be downcast that war should cease to the ends of the earth? Who would admit dismay that the weapons of destruction should be broken by the God of peace? This is what God does, and it sounds like good news. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Yet these are desolations. Bow and spear, shield and chariot, they are the refuge and strength of many still to this day. And the God who is the God of all refuge will not indulge the idolatry of war or power any longer. Imagine how those who are powerful now in this world, who wage war and rain fire and destruction on civilian and soldier alike, imagine how they will feel when the source of their power is removed from them, when the ways of violence which have enthroned them are broken by God. 
truly a desolation which God is bringing on the earth because the ways that the world has always worked will be no more. And who knows what is yet to come. There is another invitation to come and see, which is in the scriptures. In Matthew's gospel, an angel speaks to Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, who have come to Jesus' tomb at dawn, and the earth shook. But an angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for I know who you are looking for, Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. They go at dawn, and this psalm tells us God will help at the break of day. The earth shakes even as in the psalm, but they need not be afraid. Then the command, come and see the place where he lay. Indeed, come and see the desolations God has wrought. It is little comfort to a world of death that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. For all the powers of sin and evil, the resurrection of Jesus was a startling loss. And in that moment, the world changed, which is awful news for people who benefit from the world staying the same. The old order of things was dealt a fatal blow by that empty tomb and the risen Lord who could not be held by grave or death. The world which was saw that death soon would die, that darkness would pass away. And this is a tremendous desolation. But to us, to us who have hid our lives with Christ, to those who dwell with the Most High, it is the consolation of our hope. Come and see. Still today, we are invited to come and to see what God has done. Come and to see each and every time that God brings peace to a place of conflict. Come and see everywhere where death used to reign, but now there is life. Come and see the work of God which causes sorrow to many, but for that great city of God brings life and peace forevermore. It's often difficult, I know it, it's often difficult to notice the work of God to come and see what God has done because we're busy with our own work. We're too busy with our next course, our next project, the next milestone in our children's lives, the next meal that needs to be made, the next TV series we have to binge. How are we to come and see the work of God when we can barely pay attention to our own work? God has the answer to help us in this, knowing that we struggle to come and see. God says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. We receive this second command of the psalm, be still. The same words which Jesus speaks to the wind and the waves, God speaks to us. Because the waters roar and foam, and so do we. The waters and the seas make chaos in our world, and so do we. And God is telling us to stop. Stop it. 
Stop the chaos. Stop your warring and your struggling. Stop your politicking and jockeying for power. Stop trying to solve a problem that you can't solve and making it worse by all of your working. Just stop. Be still for a moment and know that I am God. I've shared before, and some of you know, that it was this invitation to be still and know that God is God which first helped me to receive my call to ministry. I was walking a prayer labyrinth and on the way out of the labyrinth listening for God's voice. And I heard a voice, whether in me or outside me, I don't know, God knows. And I was told to lie down. And I kept walking because you don't lie down in a prayer labyrinth, you walk a prayer labyrinth. Um, But then again, I heard that voice, go back, stop, and lie down. And when I did, in that stillness, I heard God say that God wanted me to be a pastor. It was then that I could hear that voice. And it was this scripture in my devotions that night which assured me it was God that I heard and no other voice. God who spoke to me when at last I was still. When is the last time you were just still in God's presence? Do you have time carved out in your weeks at least, or hopefully your days, that you can just acknowledge that God is God? Even if it's just for five minutes to start. Are there even five minutes where you can stop being cast about by the roaring and the foaming of your life and look to what God is doing. If you can't, if we don't, then we will never see it. We'll miss God's wondrous works because we're too busy participating in the very things which one day God's voice will still and we'll have nothing to show for it. But there is even now a river whose streams make glad the city of God. There is now a tremendous work of God in your life, in our church, in this city, in our world. There are signs of God's coming kingdom. If only we would be still enough to see them. Be still and know that God is God. God says, God and not you will be your strength. God and not you will be your fortress. God and not you will do the work of changing the world. God and not you will be exalted. God and not you will be your God. Then when we've stopped being the chaos, being the war, being the death and decay in this world, when we're still enough to stop being the problem that we hate and we let God do God's work in the world, then we will come and see that God has, what God has done and we will receive it not as bad news, not fearing the desolations as many still do, not longing for the darkness and the grave any longer, but we will in fact rejoice at a river whose streams are gladness and at a city whose walls are life forevermore and with a God who is our very present help in trouble. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. We like to have...
questions for you to discern what God is saying in your life, but I couldn't come up with questions other than what the psalm gave us. And so two invitations. Maybe there's only time for one and the other you can take with you. The first is just to be still and know that God is God. Take a time of silence. Maybe just these two minutes will give you now. And stop your working, your planning, your thinking, and acknowledge that God is your refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Maybe you're good at that. You might be the only one in this room, but maybe you're good at that. And after you've done that, hear the second invitation. Come and see what God has done. Consider where in your life or the lives of those around you have you seen God putting death to death and bringing peace and flourishing life. This is our life's work. But you have two minutes now, and I hope more time through the week. Thank you.